You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, the place where hope and reality converge. Um, I'm excited, just excited to share um, with you um, from God's Word today. But what I need from everybody here is just some people who are happy to be in church today. You know, just happy because of who they are in Christ and uh, what God has done in their life. That's what I need because it's, this is, this, we're all here, not because this is anybody's church except for Jesus' church. He's the head of this church. So we're all family. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And I am just, just super excited to share with you today from the book of Romans, okay? So this is my favorite book. If you want to start turning to Romans chapter 6, verses 19. Uh, through 23. Um, If you want to turn there, I'm just really excited. Uh, The book of Romans is one of my favorite books of the Bible. How do you say that, right? How can you say, I mean, you like all of them, right? Um, But it is one of my favorite books of the Bible just because of how much theology is jammed into Romans. And my mind works that way a little bit. I like to think, I don't know, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But I, I really enjoy Romans. So Romans 6, verses 19 through 23. If you could do me a favor, would you stand with me this morning uh, just to honor the reading of God's word? Aren't you thankful for the word of God? Amen. I know that I am. I don't have anything good to say outside of the word of God. You know, my words aren't good enough. Um, God's word is what we stand by and is what leads us and guides us. It's God's love letter to mankind. And I'm just so thankful for the word of God. So here we go. Romans uh, chapter 6, verses 19, starting with verses 19. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, today, just as our hearts were prepared in worship for the receiving of the word, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to minister to our hearts and to our minds. Lord, I simply ask that you would just help us know what you're up to and move us in alignment with your will. God, reveal to us today what it is that you want to do in our lives and how you want to change our hearts and how you want to change us to be used by you um, to do what you've called us to do with our lives and in this world, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Awesome. So I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Romans. Yeah, here we go. Um, so before we get into this passage, um, there's just a little bit of background work that I want to do just so we can get our minds prepared for all um, that this passage is trying to tell us. There's a lot here and a very short couple of verses. So we're going to do a little bit of backing up just to kind of get into the frame of mind um, of Paul, who wrote the, the, the letter of Romans, okay? So just to understand where he's coming from, we're going to just kind of get caught up and, and get up to speed um, 
of where Paul's coming from. Fair enough, okay? So here we are. Here's Paul writing about this, and, and he's, he's writing from this, from a place where he just got done saying, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us has sinned, and every single one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter if you've grown up in church, if you've been going to the church for a while, if you've been in church for 30 years or whatever it might be. Um, It doesn't matter if this is your first time here. We have all sinned and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Just because some of us might know when to raise our hands during the song, right right at the chorus, right, right before we get to the chorus, that's when you raise your hand, just in case you wanted to know. Just kidding. I don't know if I, (laughs) just because some of us know when we should raise our hand in worship or when to say amen when the preacher is preaching doesn't mean that we are any more saved than anybody else. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God and we are all need, are all in need of a savior. Amen. I got all of you. I just got now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm only kidding. I need you to keep amening. I need that just to encourage me as we go along. I was just playing, playing, uh, Playing a little game with you there. So anyway, here we go. So we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Now how can we be saved, right? If we've all sinned and fallen short, I can't do anything now to be saved. Paul moves from that point of us understanding that there's nothing I can do. I've sinned. I've messed up. And he moves us to a place where he says that you are saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Nothing else can save you except for Faith alone in Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? We know who Jesus is, right? Jesus is the fulfillment of a promise that God made long ago. He made a promise to Abraham, a man named Abraham, that he would be the father of a great nation. Through Jesus Christ, we are adopted as God's children. We are that great nation. We are the fulfillment of a promise that God made Thousands of years ago, it doesn't matter if you are a direct descendant of Abraham or if you are adopted into the family, we are the great nation that God promised Abraham. We're the fulfillment of that promise. Um, I'm all over the place here. I'm all excited. Uh, Paul even says in Romans um, that, okay, so here's Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of a promise. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We're saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ. We are now included in, and we are part of that family, a part of God's family, because Jesus has died, was buried, and has rose again, correct? And Paul even explains here in Romans that when we're baptized, right, when we're dunked in water, full submersion, completely under, holding there for a couple seconds, pulling back up, that's what baptism, I mean, I don't know. So Paul even says when we're baptized, right, we are being baptized into Jesus's death. It's this image here of we are being laid into the grave, just like Jesus was laid in the tomb. And as we come up out of the water, we are coming into a newness of life. So we are being baptized into Jesus's death, and we are coming up out of the grave, just like Jesus rose from the dead. And it's all a symbol. But here's the beauty. So if we are all sinners... Saved by faith through the work of Jesus Christ, adopted as God's sons and daughters, baptized, symbolically representing Jesus' death and resurrection. Here's the really cool thing. If we believe those things, there is this hope that we have that not only are we symbolizing that, but one day we too are going to die. And just like Christ, 
was resurrected from the dead, we too are going to be resurrected from the dead. Like, for real, though. Like, we're literally going to die and then be resurrected from death, just like Jesus was. And that's, like, mind-blowing, right? That, that life goes beyond just life here on this earth. The 80-so years, God willing, that we have, life goes beyond that. It's not just this moment, you know, short time period here on earth. We are promised life in Jesus Christ from now and for all eternity. Just like Jesus Christ died, we will die. But just like Jesus Christ rose, conquered death for us, we will rise overcoming death just like Jesus did, to live with God forever and for all eternity. That's mind-blowing. That's that's life-changing. If we actually would get a hold of that and take that promise, like, to heart, that would change the way that we live our lives. Like, that alone, I could pray and we could be done. Like, that is, that is mind-blowing. So if we, if we just stop for a moment and think about the freedom um, that this gives us when we think about eternity, what type of freedom does this give us when we think about eternity? To think that I'm going to live forever gives me the freedom from the worries and the concerns of this world. Think about it. The thing that has your mind so preoccupied at this moment, the mistake you made at work this past week that you're thinking, oh man, I'm gonna, I messed up big time there, or the argument that you had, or whatever it is that preoccupies your mind, that worries you, that strikes fear in your heart, do you think it's going to matter 10,000 years from now? You're going to be alive 10,000 years from now, and you're not even going to think about it. Like, you are going to be alive 10,000 years from now, 100,000 years from now, living and exploring the unsearchable riches of God forever and for all eternity. Paul even says that our current sufferings aren't worth comparing to our future glory. The worries of this world will fade away because the short time that we're here doesn't even compare to the eternity that we have to live for Christ in heaven forever and ever and ever and ever. So um, as we think about those things, it kind of expands our perspective, right, uh, of, of what life should look like here on earth. Earth. You know what else I've noticed too? This is exciting. This is, this is fun. When I, when I thought about this, I'm like, what is eternity? The thought of living for eternity, what does that do for me? So the, the thought of eternity also makes our current ambitions look ridiculous. You know? This struggle to be somebody or to do something or to uh, climb the corporate ladders of success or, or the American dream. And forgive me for saying that. There's, there's, there's a blessing that we have here. But the, our current ambitions in light of eternity kind of makes them look just like, kind of silly, right, to think that I'm going to become everything I want to become here on earth and then maintain that forever and all. No, right? It kind of makes the things that we're trying to achieve now look really small in comparison to all that's going to be made available to us in God in heaven, right? And you know what else it does? It really makes our sins look foolish. We find pleasure in sins that make us feel good for a moment and Yet God is promising us hope in Jesus Christ to live forever where we are co-heirs with Christ and where God makes available everything he owns to us. 
So the greatest pleasures, the greatest joy that we can find is in knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, not in the momentary sin that ends in death, right? So it really, eternity really makes our sins look pretty foolish when you think about it. That's why Paul even says, shall we sin so that grace may abound by no means? How can we who died to sin still live in it? So if you're a Christian today and you're struggling in a particular area of sin and you just can't seem to break that cycle, I would just encourage you to think about the hope that you have in Jesus Christ and all that God has. Being co-heirs with Christ means he makes available everything for you to enjoy his presence. How does the sin that you enjoy compare to that? It just doesn't. That sin results to and leads to death. Okay, so now that we understand we're all sinners, right? We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are saved by faith. We are promised eternal life um, in Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever to explore the unsearchable riches of our heavenly Father. This is where Paul is coming from. This is what he's thinking about. We've sinned, fallen short, saved by faith, life forever in the promise of Jesus Christ. We're ready. Here you go. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm stoked. All right, awesome. So, so in order for us to better understand the passage that we're looking at here that we read at the beginning, we're going to look at three specific areas, right? Three-point sermon, typical Pentecostal. Here we go. Three points. All right. Three points. The three areas that we're going to be looking at today are God and sin, wages and gifts, life and death, all right? We're going to look at those three areas. It's all language that we're going to find in these couple verses, God and sin, wages and gifts, life and death. Here we go. All right, so let's start by talking about sin and God for a moment. Completely opposite, right? Completely opposite. Complete opposites of each other. So we're going to be talking about God and sin, but more specifically, as Paul illustrates for us in Scripture, let's use the imagery of being a slave, a slave to sin or being a slave to God, okay? Now, in our culture, uh, we're very in tune with what it means to be a slave. It wasn't too long ago that slavery was a part of our history, right? And we're still dealing with effects of that today. Just, we're all in tune with the idea of what it means to be a slave. It's not something that's foreign to our understanding of the world as we know it. Now, slavery was never God's intention, right? But we're going to use this imagery, and thankfully, Paul even says, I'm using these words so that way you can understand. He says, I'm speaking to you because of our natural, our, our human limitations. Like, thanks, Paul. Thanks for, for uh, you know, making it easy for me to understand. I really appreciate that. So we're very in tune with the idea of slavery, but being in a slave in Rome was a little bit different than uh, what it looks like to be a slave in our understanding of today. So your condition was greatly dependent upon who you were owned by, your owner, okay? So the condition or the state of which you lived was greatly dependent on who owned you, owned you, because you can't be owned by anybody. Um, in many cases, it was exactly like what you would expect slavery to be like, okay? So it was cruel, it was abusive, it was degrading, and it was inhumane. But there was always this hope that slaves had in the Roman culture that one day they would be granted what was known as manumission, okay? It's just the ability to be freed by the owner. One day you could either work off your debt, 
or whatever it might be. You get to a place where the owner finally said, you are free to go. You sign this paper. You're free. Everything is good. And there was this hope that existed within slaves of that time that one day they would be freed. Now, this is where I started to get a little bit excited. I'm like, oh, man, this is so good, God. You're so good. You're so good. Because as we go on, we're going to see how, how this idea fits into um, our salvation, right? So hope you can see where we're going here. But as we read in this passage, Paul says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to doing what was right. But what fruit were you getting at that time? from the things of which you are now embarrassed. For the end of those things is death. So if you just can't help yourself, right? If you just feel so drawn to sin, the sin that so easily entangles you, if, if you feel like there's nothing you can do but over and over and over again, you keep returning to the same sin or the same thoughts or the same actions or the same behavior, you are owned. You're owned and you are owned by sin. That's scary because sin is not a good taskmaster. If you are owned by sin, it is wicked, it's cruel, and what you'll find is that you're, it's unable to be satisfied. No matter how hard you work to try and, and fulfill this desire, it's never going to be satisfied. You are completely owned by sin. There is no freedom there's no hope that you have that one day you'll be free of this sin and you're going to continue to live in it and you're going to lose the very life you're trying to save. There is no freedom from sin and sin ultimately ends in your death. That's it. Nothing more. But today, if you have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ and are owned by your heavenly Father, then you have immediately, at the moment of your purchasing, been granted manumission. And like this passage says, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. God is a much, much, much better taskmaster. See, the beauty here is that we learn in Scripture that God no longer calls us servants. He calls us friends. So God paid the ultimate price to purchase you, and upon your purchasing, he set you free immediately without having to work for it, without having to earn it, without having to do anything. And you're now free to live the life that you've always been designed to live in God through Christ Jesus, and you're free to live for him not just in eternity, but now, even here on earth. Eternity is made available for you now, here and forever. He's paid the ultimate price. You are free. All right, here we go. It gets better. I love this. This is, this is I just, I love the word of God, right? So, so it keeps getting better. So let's move on to talking about the next uh, image that Paul uses to help us illustrate what it means to be dead to sin and alive in Christ. In the passage here, Paul says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, so wages and gift, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many of you have sinned before? Just curious. All right, not all of us have sinned. That's pretty surprising. 
I'd like to talk to you after. That would be, <laughs> want to know your secret? <laughs> I can't help it. Sometimes I just don't even think, okay? Okay, so we've all sinned. Fair enough, right? So how many of you have sinned just today? Probably every single one of us without even knowing it. More than likely, right? How many of us are more than likely going to sin again when we leave from here? Yeah, everybody. You guys are sick, so if you want to come forward, we'll pray for you. You'll be free from sin. Just kidding. All of us. All of us. It's just the reality. And if we really think about it, how many of your sins from the time of Jesus' death and resurrection were future sins? All of them. Jesus Christ died on the cross, not just for some sins, not just for your past sins. All of your sins from the time of his death and resurrection were future sins. Every single sin that you have committed and will commit is already accounted for, and God has already paid the price. Gone forever and for all eternity. So this is just the reality. We are all sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The issue isn't so much sin alone, okay? It's the fact that sin costs you something. And it costs you something that you can't afford. It costs you your very life. And no matter how hard you try to work off the price, you can't afford it. Because your life is priceless. When we think about being a slave to sin, the reason why you will never have freedom is because the price is more than you are able to work off. So you get caught in this cycle, this cycle of life, okay? So you, you try to do good. You try to be a good person. You do your best. You come to a place where you realize that your best isn't enough, and you fall into sin, right? So you do what you can. You realize you can't. You fall into sin, you do what you can to do to be a good person. You realize you can't stand up under the pressure. You can't maintain this perfect person that you'd like to think of yourself as being. And you succumb to sin. That cycle goes on and on and on and on and on. And you find yourself 40, 50, 60 years old dealing with the same sins you dealt with when you were a kid. Because you keep fighting that cycle and trying to work off your sin and you can't. So can you just stop? Can we just stop this craziness, this insanity? You're working to pay the sin, pay off the sin that will result in you losing the life you're working to save. Knock it off. There's freedom from that in Christ Jesus. The next word after the verses we read here is but. I love that word. <laughs> That's such, that's such an awesome, I'm so relieved when I hear that word in Scripture. Right in the middle of the passage is the word but. It says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Romans 2.7, Paul says, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. It's not that we have to work for our salvation, but by the grace of God, we're able to patiently endure all things because of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. What an awesome hope that we have that far outweighs the sins and the pleasures and the desires of this world. We have hope in Jesus Christ that we're going to live for eternity, searching the unsearchable riches of our Heavenly Father 
All right, here we go. The last, the last part here, the last point, life and death. So we're going to talk about life and death for a moment. Now, I know that when we think about life and death, it seems pretty obvious, right? Life and death are completely opposite of each other. We're alive here now, and there are those, our, our loved ones, friends, family who have passed away. Life and death. So the, the, like, it seems quite obvious what I'm talking about when I'm talking about life and death. But I would say it's actually not as obvious as we would think it is. See, I want to differentiate between our understanding of what life and death is and what Paul is talking about when he talks about life in, and death. Because Paul says, if the wages of sin are death, right, wouldn't it then make sense that the moment you did something wrong, you would die? If the wages of sin are death, the moment you sinned, wouldn't like lightning come from heaven and just like fry you right where you are? Wouldn't that make sense? Like if we've all, like, if we've all sinned, then wouldn't we all be dead? So clearly, Paul is talking about a different form of life and death. The scarier thing is that it's a much realer form of life and death. Paul is talking not about our physical bodies, but our spiritual, our spiritual life and death. Here's the thing. If we have, God willing, right, I just keep saying that, 80 years, like let's say God gives us 80 years. 80 years in the span of eternity is nothing, but we're so impatient, right? We want everything. We want it now, our whole lives. Everything we have going for us, we got to make it happen now, right? That's just, we can't help it. We think physically. We think about the world around us. You know, I'm hungry. You can feel your, tum- your stomach growling. Your tummy. You can feel your tummy growling, you know? You can feel your stomach, right? You, you can't help but think according to this world. But when, when you're in eternity, this, this life is going to seem like a shadow of, of the life to come. So there's a much realer death that we can experience, but there's also a much sweeter and realer life that we're able to experience. You know, the thing that concerns me, though, sometimes is that because we think so narrow-mindedly about this, and all of us do, we just, we can't help it. That's just who we are. We're human. Paul even says, I'm speaking to you in human terms because of your limitations. We're all limited because of our flesh, because we're weak, you know, we don't have an understanding. We, we all are, but we think narrow-mindedly sometimes about this reality that there's a realer, if you will, reality than the one that we're currently experiencing. So we walk around thinking that we have it all together, right? We know we got it all together. We know where we're going in life. We've got a plan. We got everything set up. Or all these things that we do to make our lives comfortable here, and we don't even realize we're dead, that everything we're doing is actually resulting in death. And we're spiritually dead, but man, do we think we have it all together. So physically, we're alive. And God even tells us in his word, at his word that he who loses his life will find it, right? That he who finds his life will lose it. You know, we're fighting for our lives, trying to make the... But he who loses his life is actually the one who finds their life. <clears throat> so as we think about and revisit the idea of eternity and recognize that our lives here are only a fraction of our eternal life, wouldn't you be able to draw the conclusion that our spiritual life is even greater and infinitely more important than our physical life? So how much scarier then is a spiritual death where we are forever separated from the presence of God forever and for all eternity? We don't think about these things sometimes. We just, we just know them, right? But we never actually take the time to consider how 
they would affect us if we actually believed and lived um, those things. So a spiritual death is much scarier and is exactly what Paul is talking about. Consequently, though, how much sweeter then is life that is given to us in Jesus Christ? How much better is life through Jesus Christ, our Lord? The passage of Scripture says, Now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. So the beauty of this isn't just that we get to live for all eternity. We're promised two things. He says the fruit that you get from this is sanctification and its end, eternal life. Sanctification, meaning that the hope that you have motivates you to live for God here and now. And you get to be the person that you're striving to be, that person that you're chasing after and, and, and going after with all of your heart. You know, it kind of feels like a carrot dangling on a string in front of you, right? You're trying to, that perfect image of Kyle, right? That when I can think of who, that I get to be that person, but not because I'm able to make myself that person, but because through the work of Jesus Christ, God already views me as righteous and holy. He already views me as forgiven, spotless, blameless, without spot or wrinkle, but not because of what I've done, not because of my striving, but because Scripture tells us all striving has ceased because God says it is finished. We are dead to sin, and we are alive in Christ Jesus. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. I love that because when you think about an heir, it's, it's this idea that we get an inheritance, and if, we get, if we're a co-heir with Jesus Christ and our Father is God, the Word tells us that by Him and through Him all things were made. So what does God own? Everything. So we try to satisfy ourselves with these goofy sins that we get trapped in that lead in death when God has made everything available for us. He says that if He's given us His Son, if He didn't spare His own Son, how much more wouldn't he give you graciously all things? Everything is made available to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. You have been given everything you need for life and godliness, all because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So if the, if the worship team just wants to come forward, we're just going to close here. And uh, we're just going to just think about uh, a couple more things. And I'm just excited because there's a really important piece of passage of Scripture here that is so crucial for us to understand. And once we grasp this last part of Scripture, I think everything else will come into, you know, come together. And uh, so if, if you weren't listening and there's certain parts you missed, just listen during this part. If I, can, if I can promise you, everything will come together in just this last part of Scripture, that if you can grasp this and nothing else, everything else falls into place. Everything else makes sense. Everything comes together. So as we read, and I'm going to read right from the Bible. I don't know why. I just, <laughs> just want to. Um, so as we work through this, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? We're saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're given this awesome hope of eternal life, right, forever, to live forever, exploring the unsearchable riches of our Heavenly Father. And as we come to the end of verse 23, everything becomes so clear 
when we read those final words. So I'm going to read 23, and then we're going to focus on the very end. Are you ready? 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ Jesus our Lord. The hope that we have is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm so thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So I guess the, as we close here, we're going to finish here in a song. And I just want to let you know that as we finish, the altar is always open. No matter what, whenever you need it, we're always here to pray for you. Every single Sunday, if there's a need, man, God, what an awesome privilege we have to carry everything to God in prayer. You know, that we have a God who's near and not far away that we have a God who tells us to cast our cares upon him, tells us not to worry, you know, that he takes care of the birds of the air, he takes care of the lilies of the valley. Uh, Don't be anxious for anything, right? We have an awesome God who we can just take everything to. So we're always here to pray for you. And we believe in the power of prayer. Prayer changes things. So as we close here today, we just want to open up the altars for you. And uh, if, if, if you need prayer, please just come forward. But the thing I want to encourage you today is, is um, have you been struggling in sin? Don't you hate that when you say that? Oh, it's like, ah. Oh. Is there an area of your life where you're struggling in sin and you found yourself dealing with the same sin now at 40, 50, 60 years old that you dealt with when you were 20 years old? And you just can't seem to shake it. It's gotten a hold of you. It's your taskmaster. It's cruel. It's unable to be satisfied. And you fall back into that cycle over and over and over again. It owns you. I want to encourage you that there's freedom from that. If you continue living in that life, you're going to find yourself 20, 30 years from now struggling with the same sin that you've been dealing with because you just won't let it go. Because you won't accept the freedom that's made available to you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So if you're struggling with sin that you've dealt with for years, please come down because there is a much better taskmaster. His name is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, okay? And the moment where you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are immediately granted freedom. Not freedom just to live, but to live for him, to become the man or woman of God that he's made you to do, to be, and do the things that he's called you to do. Because God has called us all to do incredible things. He's got plans for every single one of our lives. And the longer you live in bondage to the sin that that so easily entangles you, the longer you allow it, you're gonna lose your life. You're gonna find yourself just moments looking back over life and recognizing how it's had control over you and how you've never had freedom from it. And you've never felt like you could enjoy life the way God intended for you to enjoy life. Because I, I truly believe that the greatest way we can enjoy life is only through Jesus Christ. That is the greatest joy that we have. So when we repent, can we not, like, there, there's definitely a, an attitude and a position when we repent and when we ask God for forgiveness. But can we also rejoice in the fact that we can repent? Isn't that a beautiful process that we can be forgiven and restored and set free? I mean, there's definitely a process where it hurts. Oh, like God is a surgeon, right? He's a surgeon. So he wounds us, but he does it with precision, right? He does it intentionally and he removes those parts in our hearts, those tumors and those things that are like cancer. 
So yes, it hurts, but man, it hurts. It hurts good, you know what I mean? Like it's just such a good feeling, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So if you've been struggling in an area area of sin for majority of your life, are you a slave to sin? And that you have surrendered to the thought that this is just who I am. This is just who I am. This is how life is. And you've accepted life that way. I want to encourage you that in Christ Jesus, our Lord, there is a much better taskmaster. You can belong to him. And his word tells us that his yoke is easy and that his burden is light. Have you been working so hard, feeling that all of your best efforts are worthless? They are. They are. The harder you try, it doesn't make a difference. Just stop. Just stop. Stop trying so hard. We are told that all striving has ceased. It is finished. Your debt has been paid and you are free by Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, in scripture, Jesus uh, talks to the religious leaders as well. And he says, you look like beautiful tombs. You look like beautiful tombs, so ornate. It's got all this nice etching. It's beautiful. But you reek of death on the inside. You look like you've got it all put together. But spiritually, you're dead. Our spiritual death is of much greater concern than our physical death. So let's move from death to life today, knowing that we can only do so in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are available here to pray with you, like I had said. But if I could encourage you in just a little bit of instruction, and it's if you are struggling with sin, would you come forward and just do what the Word of God says? How about we just put the Word of God into practice? He says to, to bring before the elders of the church, right? He says to confess your sins, repent, and be healed. So all of your past is washed away and you now get to be that person for now and for all eternity. The greatest way you can know if God is working in your life or if God is moving or if God is doing something is if you're responding to his word. If you're responding to his word, that his spirit is bearing witness with your spirit, then you can be confident of your salvation in Jesus Christ because you know the Holy Spirit is at work in you because God says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Not you who started the work in yourself, but God who started the work in you will bring it to completion. He will finish what he started in your life and he will develop you into the man or woman of God that you have designed to be. So if you need to be down here, just get down here. Just get it over with. Drag it into the light and just kill it. Just for once and for all, it is finished, okay? It's gonna be much more embarrassing for you in front of God when you have to give an account for your sin than it is for you to have to give an account here. It's much scarier, right, to be embarrassed when you're standing before God than it's, than it, and I'm not saying it's embarrassing, but sometimes we get this idea in our mind, right, that it's, oh, I don't, I don't want people to think poorly of me. God judges the heart. Man judges the outward appearance. Let's not be concerned about what other people think. Let's respond to the Holy Spirit working in our lives so that we can be sanctified and become the men and women of God we were created to be. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.